Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We're working our way through the book of 1 Peter. It's an incredible letter that Peter wrote to suffering Christians in order to encourage them in their faith with the gospel of Jesus Christ and and to instruct them in how they are to live in the glorious light of Jesus Christ into which they have been brought by his gospel. We are up to the family table, which begins in chapter 2, verse 18, and runs on down through chapter 3, verse 7. And we're specifically in that family table to the bit that deals with wives and husbands. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and offer a few comments. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you would strengthen us to hear your word now, that I might speak in the power of your spirit, that we all might hear with the ability that he gives us, that we might indeed have ears to hear, and so be strengthened by your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Peter writes this, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening." Well, when we look at the family tables, they're usually set up in similar ways. They begin with those that would have been considered kind of from a a socioeconomic standpoint or or, or a a cultural standpoint, kind of the the, the lowest on the, the totem pole, so to speak, and they then move up, you know, and that's often how they're thought about. And the reason they're thought about that way is because the the precursor to these biblical family tables that we find in the Hellenistic world, that's exactly what they were. They began with the lower classes and moved up. And, and the whole goal of the family tables was to secure society, to keep society working in a particular way. What Peter does, and Paul also, is he borrows this literary structure. He borrows the, the, the structure that is found in other ancient literature of their day, and he uses it, but there are some significant changes. There are some significant uh, differences in how and why Peter and Paul are, in, are using this literary form that's known as the family code or the family table. There are some significant differences in how and why they go about laying out their family codes. Their goal, as we've seen over the last couple of days, looking at this first passage in 2, 18 through 25, is not merely to secure a particular view of society. It's not merely to kind of keep things working a certain way so that the people at the top stay at the top. That's not their goal really at all. Their goal is to see Christians living in such a way that honors God regardless of the station of life in which they are found. That's their goal. 
And so as we think about this, it's very likely that someone could be found in multiple categories of this family table. And Peter has something to say to them in each category. So someone could be a house servant and a husband. Someone could be a house servant and a wife. And, and they're to hear what Peter has to say about how they carry out those roles for the glory of God, resting in Jesus Christ, believing his gospel. They're to hear what Peter has to say about those roles in both stations. So Peter's not merely trying to, to secure this kind of thing that's often argued, and for good reason, which I'll get into here in a minute. He's not merely trying to secure just men at the top with all the power. That, that's not really his goal at all. Rather, he is trying to teach people in whatever station they are found how to live in the light of the gospel. Now, at times, the church is rightly accused of simply trying to secure men at the top. And the reason for that, as Karen Jobes points out in her commentary, is a lot of times the way we deal with these family tables is we, we hesitantly and, and somewhat shyly deal with the passages about servants and slaves because in our Western uh, you know, 21st century culture, that is such a taboo topic and, and we don't really know how to deal with it that we just kind of like, yeah, this is a difficult one, and you know, and, and then we just apply it maybe to, to our boss-worker relationships and, and kind of quickly move on instead of really looking at what is being said. And when we come to husbands, and granted, I admit, as we look at this, there's one verse here for husbands. I understand that. And it does seem unbalanced in some ways. But when we come to husbands, we'll say hardly anything. But we'll spend a great deal of time talking about the submissiveness of wives and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to be and, and how long their hair should be or this, that, or the other and blah, 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 right? And we spend all this time talking about wives instead of looking at in all of these roles, they're all driving that person in that station to the exact same thing submission to, to their role and, 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 and life in their role for God's glory. And the submission that they're being called to is seen as primarily a submission to God. And, and so we've got to keep that in mind. So as we look at the, the, the passage here that I just read about wives, there's a few things that I want us to keep in mind. First, it begins with this word, likewise. So here's why that matters. That matters because what that says is in this section, everything that has come before in some way applies here. So Peter doesn't go into the same detail with wives or with husbands that he did with, with servants about the, the motivation of Christ and his suffering in our own. But this word, likewise, at the beginning reminds us that Peter is continuing the same thought. So those thoughts that we see about the servants and, and their motivation being the suffering of Christ as an example applies here as well. That's the first thing we need to see. The second thing we need to see is twice it says that wives are to submit to their own husbands. So Peter doesn't have in mind here this broader 
cultural situation where women in general are to submit to men in general. That's not what's in view at all. In the Greek, that word, your own husband, appears both in verse 1 and down in verse 5. What Peter is talking about here is not women generally and men generally and how they relate to each other. What Peter is talking about here specifically is how a wife and a husband relate to each other. That's very important. Third, we see part of the motivation here in verse 1. We have this, uh, th- this causal statement, so that... Even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. In other words, what Peter is saying here is, hey, this isn't about you staying in your place. This is about you being a godly influence on your husband. That's the goal. That when they see your godliness, they will be led to godliness. That's what Peter is driving at as part of the motivation here for wives. It's not so that you will stay in your place and not cause them problems. It's so that by your godliness, they will be also led to godliness. Then verse 3 and 4, he says, Do not let your adorning be external. Okay, so we need to think through this a little bit. First of all, what we have to say is Peter is not saying, Don't braid your hair, don't put on gold, or don't wear clothing. Right? And and we realize this because when we look at it, if we just think logically about it, Peter's not telling wives that they're to walk around undressed all the time. That makes no sense. In fact, in the New American Standard, which is considered one of the most literal translations, they recognize the difficulty of this passage and recognize that that something more has to be said for it to make sense in English, and they add the word merely. So it reads something like, do not let your adorning be merely external. So you can't take this verse and say, oh, women have to be plain and they can't fix their hair or look nice or or, or feel good about themselves or whatever. Like, that's not what Peter's driving at here. What he's driving at here is the difference between someone whose, whose whole like persona is only what they can show externally and there's no internal roots to it. That's what we see. Don't, don't, let, don't let your person be defined externally, but let the adorning of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Let that be the thing that defines you. Peter's not denying the ability or, or, or the freedom to wear nice clothes or fix your hair or even put on jewelry. He's saying that what matters and and what needs to define us as people is our inner workings, our, our, our personality, how it is that we live. But notice what he says, which in God's sight is very precious. So again, he's not driving at this to keep women submissive and quiet or whatever. No, no, no. He's driving at something that is precious to God, a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, why do I say this is not merely him trying to keep women in their place? Well, because this is also how Jesus is described, as gentle and lowly, a bruised reed he won't break. See, 
what Peter is driving at here is really what is driven at throughout Scripture for all Christians. That we're not to be these, you know, loud, cantankerous, in-your-face, you know, my way, the highway, whatever, explosive people. But that we're to walk in meekness. We're to walk in humility. We're to walk in gentleness. And so he is merely applying to wives here what throughout Scripture is applied to all Christians because it's precious in God's sight. And then he says, this is how the the women of old used to, to adorn themselves. And he uses the example of Sarah. And then he ends it with this statement of strength. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Notice that what Peter's goal here is, isn't to get women to live in fear of their husbands. His goal is to get them to live fearlessly, not fearing anything that is frightening, to understand the strength that they have in Christ. The the security, the hope, the identity that they have in Christ so that they need not live in fear in this life. So, so, ladies, you who are married, this is what the Bible calls us to, to, to true peace in Christ, to, to, to fearlessness because of the security that we have in Christ, to, to meekness because Christ is meek and gentle. That's what Peter is driving at here. This isn't about just maintaining some particular social order that's advantageous to men. This is about how we honor God with our lives. That's what he's calling us to. And that's what we are all called to. Might we learn to walk, all of us, in the gentle and lowly, the humble and meek ways of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the security that we have in him. Amen.